Bring It On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. And good evening, I'm Clarence Boone, and welcome to this edition of Bring It On, where a multiple award-winning show celebrating over 14 years as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting African Americans. And good evening, I'm Roberta Radovich. Maya Angelou once stated, I have found that among other benefits, giving liberates the soul of the giver. Black Philanthropy Month, or what we call BPM, held every August, was created in August 2011 by a cohort of three women led by Dr. Jackie Boulevard Copeland and the Pan-African Women's Philanthropy Network, also called PopNet, as an annual global celebration of African descent giving. Recognized by the United Nations as part of its Declaration of 2011 as the International Year for People of African Descent, all black communities and their allies are encouraged to take August and beyond to promote the power of giving to transform lives. In 2013, a widespread and concerted effort began to invite public participation in a wave of high-impact events, social media stories, and service projects, expanding each year the Black Philanthropy Month Civic Engagement and Awareness Campaign occurs online and in communities with local and global dimensions. Primary, the primary aims of the Black Philanthropy Month are informing, involving, inspiring, and investing in Black philanthropic leadership to strengthen African American and African descent folk living across all parts of the world and giving in all of its forms. A new organizing concept frames the BPM calendar each year. The theme for 2019 is Let's Make History. Now to engage us in an informative discussion on Black Philanthropy Month, we have invited Valeda Fullwood and Professor Tyrone Tyrone rather, I'm sorry, McKinley Freeman. Ms. Fullwood is a nationally known writer, public speaker, and project strategist. She is author of Giving Back, a tribute to generations of African-American philanthropists, an award-winning book chronicling traditions of giving in black communities. In 2014, she was elected, she was selected rather, Lake Distinguished Visitor by Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy. Professor Tyrone McKinley Freeman is an assistant professor of philanthropic studies and the director of undergraduate programs at the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy. He also serves as an important advisor to the Mays Family Institute on diverse philanthropy as well. His research focuses on African-American philanthropy in historical and contemporary contexts, the history of philanthropy and philanthropy and fundraising in higher education. Later on the call in the second half hour, we'll hear from Tom Harmon, who is a vice chair for the Heritage Fund of Bartholomew 
County, and he will share a little bit more with us in the second half hour. All three of our guests are here with us by phone this evening. Ms. Fullwood and Professor Freeman, welcome to Bring It On. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you for accommodating us on, on this uh, wonderful day in August, uh, a, a month dedicated to black philanthropy and uh, taking time out to educate our listening audience to not only the history uh, of black philanthropy as a movement, but the potential um, magnitude of just power and resource power that's, that's uh, in, incorporated through black giving. What is our potential as a people? So let's get things started. Ms. Fullwood, if you can, if you can explain a little bit about what Black Philanthropy Month is, when it started, why it started, and who started it. Thank you. You guys did a pretty good job of setting it up, and, and I'll reiterate some key points. The founder of Black Philanthropy Month is Dr. Jackie Boubier Copeland, and she proclaimed Black Philanthropy Month in 2011 as a global celebration of African descent giving in all its forms. And I really love that part, giving in all its forms, um, which leaves it wide open for all of us um, with African roots to engage and rethink and become inspired by our giving. And um, each year we invite the public and communities and institutions and individual donors and fundraisers to organize um, their own self-envisioned engagement in their communities. The, the information they want to share, the information they want to gain, the people they want to connect with, August is a concerted time to do that and lift up black giving, to lift up our stories, to look to our future, and to really think strategically and thoughtfully about the world we want to see and how our giving, and that's giving in terms of time, talent, and treasure, and more, and how we want to create a better community. And I've been honored to participate for the last, uh, um, architect for the last seven years or so and it's always a joy to see the ways that people choose to observe black philanthropy month whether it's through a um, radio interview like we're doing today to raise awareness in communities or if it's a on-site public forum a media story around donors and givers in a community who are oftentimes under the radar and whose stories go untold and also fundraising. In fact, the month culminates with Giving Black Day, which is organized by the Young Black Giving Back Institute based out of D.C. And it's an opportunity for black-led, black-serving nonprofits across the country to engage their donors through social media and other creative, innovative ways to raise money to support their causes. And so, again, each year... A new iteration, a new way to lift up black giving is introduced to us, and it's exciting to be a part of it. Are you finding, Ms. Fullwood, that in the last six or eight years-ish or so, uh, Black Philanthropy Month is catching 
folks are catching the vision across the nation and across the diaspora? Yes, increasingly, particularly in the U.S. We'd love to see broader engagement across the diaspora outside the U.S., but that hasn't been the case so much. We've had a few um, engagements, forums, conversations in Africa and in the Caribbean, but by no means as expansive as we'd love to see it. I do love the fact that many of the Black Philanthropy Month forums, events, conversations do um, are framed around the full diaspora. So while it's here in the U.S., oftentimes the panelists include people from all over the world. And it's beautiful to see some of the shared values that exist among people of African descent, but also some of the nuances and distinctions from country to country and culture to culture. I will say one of the particularly exciting things about this year, about Black Philanthropy Month of 2019, and our um, organizing concept of Let's Make History, is noting that this year is when the United States commemorates 400 years of black life in America, North America, and it was in fact 1619, August 1619, when the first Africans arrived in um, the Hampton area of Virginia. And so looking back on that journey, that 400-year journey of just the humanity, the resilience, the culture that was brought over and cultivated and kept and that survived and is present in our lives today is just a tribute to... um, our ancestors, and this is a year to for us not only to celebrate them, but to think strategically about what we want to see in the next four years or 40 years or 400 years and how our philanthropy today can help shape and influence that. So that's where the, the theme, Let's Make History, is born out of that commemoration. Um, Ms. Woolwood or, or uh, Dr. Freeman, feel free to respond to this, but you, you speak of... Uh, that year 1619 I believe 400 years now we're referring to for our listeners uh, they may not know these were the 24 or some odd numbered indentured servants that arrived to our shores uh, we talk about immigration these days that's a hot topic this was forced immigration in some re- in some respects but these are the uh, couple dozen that arrived on American shore exactly yes and that Um, Their arrival eventually sparked the whole slave um, trade, transatlantic slave trade, and um, the millions of black people brought to Latin America and to North America over several centuries. And, and also, the theme this year, Let's Make History, a very, very timely theme, um, sort of coinciding with that 400-year uh, span of time. I noticed that there have been other themes in past years, and I have them note, noted here. In 2018, it was for the culture, for the future. In 2017, it was giving voice to fuel change. 2016, elevating a culture of giving. 2015, a season of change. 2014, generosity at home and around the globe. And when it culminated in 2013, of dreams and mountaintops when it launched, rather. 
Um, one thing I, I'm curious about, and I've always been told that as black people, we're a community of consumers. And it's, it's difficult enough to get us to perhaps save for that uh, proverbial rainy day. But when you look at the economic might of the black community, uh, can either of you speak to uh, how many billions per year or more uh, economic might uh, we can weld as a people? Uh, yeah, I can uh, talk a little bit about that. One, and I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased and happy about the Let's Make History because the back to the 1619 for a moment, you know, the starting point for black philanthropy is, is West Africa. And it's important to remember that the giving traditions that form African-American philanthropy start with the West African cultures from which other people came. And that's part of the adaptive strategy. We know those traditions and cultures survived and created things like the black church and other cultural expressions that define African-American uh, culture today. And, and giving was a big part of that. So it's important to see this as a continuum. It's not something that's new. It's not something that's recent, but it's deeply rooted. And as far as, as, as the landscape of philanthropy today, um, you know, it's getting a, a hard and fast estimate of what's going on today is a little bit difficult. At the Mays Family Institute, we're working on trying to, to develop that. But the numbers that, that fly around tend to be in the 10 to $15 billion a year range in terms of charitable giving. Um, and and two-thirds of that goes to the black church, or through the black church, I should say, uh, because, uh, as we know, the black church is kind of a multi-purpose organization. So, yes, those monies are being used to, to fund operations and buildings and, and perhaps the pastor's salary or others, but it also being used for ministry. And, and whether that's a scholarship fund or uh, soup kitchens or food pantries, all the way up to, to churches that have full-fledged 501c3 uh, subsidiary organizations, community development organizations, schools, uh, missions programs. So that, that's really the foundation. But there's also the broader uh, activities that are being built upon that tradition of the church giving and, and next to that tradition. And so, uh, you know, the giving circles, uh, the capacity building organizations like the UNCF or like uh, United Negro College Fund or, or the Association of Black Foundation Executives, uh, there are high net worth uh, African Americans who are, are making very generous gifts at high levels, uh, and there are communal forms of giving, from from family reunions to looking after neighbors, uh, to as we've already talked about issues of service and volunteering. The black philanthropy is very versatile. Uh, Money is a part of it. It's not the only part of it. It's not the most important part of it, but it is a part of it. Uh, but but using the voice, speaking out, advocating helping others in many different ways all comprise facets of, of black philanthropy. You know, I've heard uh, stories, speaking of the communal level of black giving, where families have gotten together and decided that when children were maybe in their middle school age that they were all going to combine their resources to make sure they attended or matriculated to college and made it through college. And they would have family meetings, and they would determine that we're going to either invest in this individual or maybe invest as a family. Do you see evidence of that growing or continuing uh, in, through your research? So those would be uh, the kinds of giving practices that are difficult to measure because they, they would not show up in an institutionalized form or on, 
on a, a tax return or some other. These are the kinds of things that people do within their families, within their communities. And so it's difficult to measure those kinds of things, but you're absolutely right. That tradition is there. Rent parties, you know, raising money to help someone go to school or buy books for school, um, those traditions of helping each other are very much alive and well. From a, from a quantitative standpoint, you know, the, the Census Bureau has gotten better over the past two decades in terms of asking people through its surveys about kind of helping behaviors that they engage in. I mean, the last time you helped a neighbor, the last time you were engaged in some sort of effort in your community. Um, so we're starting to get some, some ways of measuring those kinds of things. But those are the kinds of things that fly under the radar but are happening every day in many different ways. I think giving circles are probably a public manifestation of that same ethos, uh, and, and those are exploding, and, and, and Valida is playing a major role in that, that growth. Um, you know, so where people are formally coming together to do that in a public way. But that is really an outgrowth of centuries of practices of people pooling their resources, which again goes back to those West African cultures who did this on a normal basis. It was, you know, in Nigerian cultures and other cultures, women would pool resources to meet needs in the village, and we see those things translated here, where the, the, the black club women, the black church women, the black fraternal women of the, of the 18th and 19th centuries doing the same thing, and today we have people in giving circles doing these things. So that, that tradition, again, has survived and, and thrived over the past 400 years, and I think it can only grow and continue today. Uh, for our listeners tuning in right now, you're listening to uh, Bring It On on WFHB, and we are joined by Professor Tyrone Freeman from the Lilly Family School of Philanthropy and Valida Fullman, uh, Think Architect of uh, the Black Philanthropy Month uh, Awareness Campaign, as well as author of Giving Back, a tribute to generations of African-American philanthropists. And we have both of our guests on the phone right now, and we're thinking about what the importance why Black Philanthropy Month? Why does it matter? Why does it matter right now? And what what do two transplants to uh, the Midwest have to uh, contribute to this conversation? I find it very interesting that both uh, guests this evening have East Coast, either East Coast North or East Coast South uh, roots. And are the, the roots of Black philanthropy is it a is it, it is it is it there is there more conversation and more awareness about the importance of giving back is that something that resonates deeper on the east coast than in the midwest or is that a sweeping generalization i can't this is related and i would just say i can't speak to the midwest but i know much of the story goes back to 1619 with the arrival of the first Africans and where um, our culture was anchored in America. So I think that may be reflected in just the demographics of cities along the East Coast, particularly the South. Um, but I think those traditions and ideas around community and collective giving have followed us as we've, um, you know, with migrations throughout the U.S. But Perhaps Tyrone can speak better on that, in that he lives in Indiana. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree with what uh, Valida has said. I mean, I think you go back and you look at the history. Uh, you, have, you know, uh, enslaved people were primarily in, in the South, right? But 
Uh, there were free black communities in the North who were very much engaged in, in abolition and very much engaged in, ab- in, in, in advocacy work and in, in educational work. And so, again, this is an ethos that kind of transcends boundaries uh, because it's been part of daily survival. It's both a survival mechanism given kind of the absurdity of the African-American experience and the struggles, the ebbs and flows of progress and, and, and then being kind of setbacks, um, but it also is this very deep and genuine expression of black humanity and black generosity. Um, so it has this utility purpose of surviving and helping each other get through and speak truth to power and bring about social change, but it also is a fundamental expression of the humanity of a people whose, whose humanity was denied, right? And, 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 and tools, policy tools and other uh, aspects were, were raised against them to make life difficult, but part of their response to that, part of their resilience to that, it is philanthropy, and it's important to celebrate it and recognize it, and Black Philanthropy Month gives us the perfect opportunity to do that, knowing that the other 11 months we, we continue to do it. This is just a particular time to bring attention and visibility to it. And still, when I was growing up, I grew up around people who were giving all the time. We didn't use the word philanthropy, so when I come to the idea of philanthropy, sometimes I think of old white, very rich people as philanthropists. But is that a fair thing to say? I mean, that's one aspect of philanthropy and certainly the probably the frame that most people have in their mind or the imagery they have in that mind. And in fact, that very experience is what inspired me to write the book, Giving Back. Um, working as a writer and consultant in the philanthropic sector and with various institutions, I was struck by that that narrative, that single narrative that you just referred to that seemed to suggest that only the ultra-wealthy um, white people of privilege, mainly men, were the philanthropists in the world. And if, if it weren't for their benevolence, where would the world, where would communities be? And I knew another story. Um, based on my community and my experiences. And um, anyway, I was inspired to collect stories that lifted up our traditions of giving and acknowledge the fact that because of that history that Arun has spoken of and we've all spoken of today since 1619 in America, that our traditions of giving look different. When we were denied... um, access to wealth and assets and, you know, even denied a sense of dignity and humanity in some instances, how we came together and survived and thrived. And those traditions framed really the root meaning of philanthropy when you go back and look at the Greek meaning, love of humanity, love of humankind, and really that's at the root. And I often say that it's a reminder for us all, particularly black philanthropy, it's a reminder for everybody that philanthropy is deeper than your roots. I mean, deeper, deeper than your pockets. And so uh, we tap into our roots and our traditions and our heritage and history, and Black Philanthropy Month is a time to remind us of those traditions and to uh, kind of free ourselves of really narrow ideas about what is philanthropy and who is a philanthropist or who can be a philanthropist. Mm-hmm. Many people just simply go about living their lives. I mean, that, that, that giving is a part of who they are. Helping others is a part of who they are. And so pausing to label it as, 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 as such may not even occur to them or because it's so normal or so 
expected in their family, in their church community, in their, their neighborhood. Um, and so, but, but throughout history, there have been terms uh, such as racial uplift, giving back, uh, you know, the notion that service is the rent you pay for living, mm-hmm. uh, to is given, much is expected. All of those things kind of reflect that. Um, and there are, you know, there, there are people, in, in, uh, African Americans, who have used the terms at different times across history. But I think the key thing is that the, 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 the practice has always been there, whatever it's been called. And, and many people, for instance, in, in their churches wouldn't think necessarily of, of what they do, of being an usher, being in the choir, being a missionary, you know, helping, helping with Sunday school or the children, you know, the, the, the vacation Bible school, right? They wouldn't think of those things in philanthropic terms, but it is. Um, they're just doing the Lord's work or bringing about the kingdom or other right. metaphors they might use to describe it. And so I think Black Philanthropy Month empowers people to embrace that term if they want to, uh, to make connections to that term, and, and to affirm the fact that, you know, again, uh, it's, it's not new to this, but, you know, something that's been going on for a long time and that shows up in, in daily life, however we might identify with it. Miss um, Fullwood and, and Dr. Freeman, we, we have about five minutes before the first break um, and before we're joined by, is it Dr. F- Harmon? It's Mr. Tom Harmon. Mr. Tom Tom Harmon. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm reminded again of something that Roberta led off with, a quote by Maya Angelou, which, which was, I have found that among its other benefits, giving liberates the soul of the giver. And in some research on your work, Dr. Freeman, I found that you have done extensive work being in Indianapolis, uh, the place where an outstanding uh, woman uh, of color who was uh, touted as the first millionaire did so much in the black community. I'm speaking, of course, of Madam C.J. Walker. Um, Can you talk a little bit about your research? I understand that you have compiled some writings on her and you sort of profiled sort of her philosophy toward philanthropy. Yeah, so, um, well, I've, I've written a book about it, Madam C.J. Walker's Gospel of Giving, uh, Black Women's Philanthropy During Jim Crow. It'll be out next year, and, and in it, I wanted to really just, I had heard that she was a philanthropist, and I knew her story, but as I was studying philanthropy, she wasn't present in the literature, she wasn't present in the conversations, so I really wanted to dig in and find out exactly what that meant, and, and what, what I found really kind of provided evidence for the things that we're talking about now, for the things that, you know, one might feel or viscerally know because one is from the black community. Uh, but here I was finding historical evidence for where these things come from. And so Madam Walker was certainly very generous with her money, but her, her generosity did not start with her wealth, which points to the notion that you don't wait to give. Uh, you give as you can with what you have. And as you acquire more, whatever more may be, you give more. And, and so we see her, you know, I saw, found her giving throughout her life, and um, the, the, the wealth just simply enabled her to do more. But she was doing pretty much what black women in particular of the era were doing. Uh, she learned to give from the women of her community, and she really took their, those traditions and kind of amplified and extended them. And so it, hers is a beautiful story that kind of speaks to this long-standing history we're referencing today, then the unique platform she brought to it by being very public in her giving, and talking people drawing inspiration and pride from that because she was constantly in the newspapers making gifts or speaking out against lynching, speaking in favor of black soldiers fighting in World War I. I mean, she really engaged the full gamut of gifts 
in black philanthropy, and others were really inspired about this, and people wrote to her about how they were inspiring her. And so it's, she's a powerful anchor. I know people may know a little bit about her or be more familiar with her, but I think the, looking at her philanthropy really provides a whole different perspective of who she was, how she lived, and also the role that black women in particular have played as, as innovators and educators and purveyors of generosity in the black community. Well, uh, Dr. Freeman, uh, you're absolutely right, and I, I agree with you 100%, but I, I wish she was held up more as sort of a standard bearer or as, uh, I don't know, a model for modern-day philanthropists. It seems as if uh, for all the wonderful things she's, she has she had accomplished and that she poured back into the black community to achieve and, and help women establish businesses on their own, uh, little is is shared about her life, um, and and I and through your good work, of course, we'll learn more. But I wish others would take the mantle and talk a little bit more about her. I would echo that. I want to amplify that. I wish more people, both in the state of Indiana as well as across the nation, understood the importance of Indiana in the development of modern black philanthropy. And I sense that uh, Mr. Harmon has joined us. And what we're going to do at this time, we're going to take a, a pause uh, as we get arranged and situated. And we'll continue this conversation on the other, other side. If you just tuned in, you're listening to Bring It On here at WFHB. <music>
you just heard Black Butterfly by the Sounds of Blackness. This track is from the Africa to America, the Journey of the Drum album. Sounds of Blackness is a Grammy Award-winning vocal and instrumental ensemble from Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota, who perform music from several genres, music including gospel, R&B, soul, and jazz. If you've, just, if you've just joined us here on Bring It On, we are in the middle of an informative discussion on Black Philanthropy Month with our guests, Valeda Fullwood, a nationally known writer, public speaker, and project strategist, also called the idea whisperer, in quotes, Professor Tyrone McKinley Freeman, an assistant professor of philanthropic studies and the director of undergraduate programs at the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy. And now we'll have on the line Mr. Tom Harmon of the African American Fund of Bartholomew County, which is part of the Heritage Fund of Bartholomew uh, County. Uh, Welcome to Bring It On. Thank you. And uh, uh, Mr. Harmon, thank you for joining us uh, this evening. Uh, I'm I'm just really taken aback by all the the really profound things going on in Bartholomew County um, with the Heritage Fund. You are a founding member, you and your wife Mary, and several others. Um, but I, I look at the the focus of the African American Fund. One being education, leadership development, economic career development, health awareness, and arts and cultural events. Uh, Sir, if you can educate us a little bit more about uh, this particular endeavor. Well, this endeavor started about, oh, seven years ago with uh, six families uh, here in Columbus, Indiana. And all these families came to Columbus, Indiana in the late 80s, working for Cummins or the school system and and to make a long story short, they spend all their working life here in Columbus, Indiana, and raise their families and, and, and retired and, and whatnot. So we wanted to to set up an African-American fund as a challenge from the uh, Heritage Fund to, to uh, help uh, educate people uh, about African-American culture and also to provide uh, opportunities for African-Americans through scholarships, and uh, exposures to arts and cultures and leadership development and and and, and uh, various initiatives. So we um, we pledged a five-year financial commitment to uh, grow the fund, and today the fund is is over two hundred thousand dollars, and we use uh, proceeds from that fund on an annual basis to support uh, many different activities in the community by collaborating with a lot of different organizations in the community to to educate uh, about African American culture. And have there been endeavors that you've um, funded that you'd like to talk about, uh, some of the success stories that you've had thus far? Well, we, we've had uh, several success stories with, with uh, entertainment, bringing in, uh, collaborating with like the Columbus Philharmonic to bring in uh, African-American artists who have performed on Broadway and in musicals and, and things of that nature. We have presented uh, black films uh, for students to um, to uh, get exposed to to black issues and black cultures, uh, we have collaborated with many organizations in the community. So it's it's been a good endeavor that allows us to do that. Our most recent one is uh, our Sola Philanthropy display. Uh, we were approached about a year ago uh, by the uh, Lilly Family School of Philanthropy about participating in it, and we were excited about the opportunity. So we uh, put together a committee and formed. 
uh, and worked about a year to come up with our version of the Columbus uh, of the Soul of Philanthropy uh, for Columbus, Indiana, and it is currently uh, on display uh, in Columbus, Indiana, at the Commons, and will be there the entire month of August, along with uh, National Black Philanthropy Month. Let me uh, share with our listening audience audience a little bit about the display. Uh, the exhibit is described as groundbreaking in focus and depth, giving back the soul of philanthropy, reframed and exhibited, presents stories of generosity among African, uh, among Americans of African descent, centuries-old cultural customs and beliefs about giving, though rarely acknowledged as quote-unquote philanthropy in Black communities, have long been an integral and transformational force in lives and communities throughout American society. The display, the exhibit, is an exhibit of photography, poetry, and prose woven together in vivid stories revealing the long and unsung legacy of black philanthropists, from generous donors of wealth to ingenious givers carving away out of no way. The pop-up and abridged edition, which is in Columbus, Indiana, until the end of August, is the brainchild of not only Valida Fullwood, but as I was so delighted to see, really the people, the local folk themselves. Mr. Harmon and Professor Freeman, could you talk a little bit more and share with our listening audience how that all come together? Well, we tried to identify uh, examples of philanthropic acts uh, in our community and using uh, Bethlehem County residents who exemplified those acts and kind of spotlighting them. It wasn't so much as a, a competition as it was a, a um, demonstration or, or effort to educate and inspire people on ways they can be philanthropic through their time, talent, and treasure. And it can go on a lot of it can it can happen a lot of different ways. And we were using real live individuals who have exhibited that with their acts to to inspire people to do likewise. I had the privilege of attending the the opening, and uh, it was really was a powerful display. And you could really see again this community ethos of giving on display. And the beautiful thing about the the local aspect of the exhibit is that it showed the, the intergenerational, cross-generational impact of, of giving because there were, there were people like uh, Bishop Charles Sims and Dr. Jane Sims who were highlighted, who have been long-standing pastors and civil rights leaders in the community since the 70s. Uh, but there were also young people highlighted, high school students and college students, like uh, this young lady named Nadia Lomax who had done some work in her high school surrounding bullying and diversity. And so it really drove home this idea that in this tradition of giving, anybody can be a donor, anybody can give. Um, and it was really on display and that there were multiple types of gifts. Some of the exhibits talked about scholarships and monetary expressions, but others talked about advocacy or service or, you know, doing back-to-school events. So it really put on display the ways in which the African-American community of Columbus has come together and, and pooled its resources to meet its needs and the ways of visibility um, for the benefit of everyone there. You know, Bishop uh, uh, Sims and, and First Lady uh, Jane Sims are, are friends of mine, and, and when you spoke their names, I just had to smile because they've always been in the forefront with their sleeves rolled up trying to better the community uh, that they've been a part of. And I, I did a little research as we were conducting this interview, and I found that on an annual basis, I was looking for that number, $20 billion. 
dollars. Uh, the black community collectively, and that's and that mer- that that may be under uh, uh, tally, but twenty billion dollars can do a lot for a community if if we supported our own, if we invested in our own, if we created these types of uh, uh, community fund organizations. Can you speak to uh, what a community might do that uh, representatives say we do stream worldwide? If someone is listening right now and they wish to create or replicate in their community what you've done down in Bartholomew County, what are some of the necessary steps? Well, we were fortunate enough to uh, live in a county where the Heritage Fund exists, which is a community foundation, which is about a hundred million or about a seventy-five million dollar. Uh, foundation and 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 we've also been blessed to uh, be the home of Cummins Engine Company, which was founded by J. Irwin Miller, and and J. Irwin Miller was a very well known philanthropist and and kind of set the pattern of philanthropy for Columbus. So we we live in a community that is kind of ripe for that, and the Heritage Fund uh, was looking to create new funds, so they put a challenge out to the community for people who wanted to start new funds it took a minimum of fifteen thousand dollars to do it and they were going to uh offer up five thousand dollars or fifty percent of that to get to that so we took advantage of that opportunity seven years ago and uh was able to start our fund and have raised money not only with the original six families but but many of our contributions come from the the community as a whole uh, i have really been taken back by the generosity of the community to support the fund and and financially and also with all the events that we do. Ms. Uh, Professor Freeman, as a researcher, uh, looking at this both as a participant in the community but also with an objective lens on it, how are you moved personally but excited ideologically with all of the synergies that seem to be taking place at this exact moment uh, that we find ourselves in? Yeah, I, I think it's a it's a powerful time. Um, people are, are claiming their own traditions of giving, and again, Black Philanthropy Month gives us a, a deliberate opportunity to do that. But again, they're doing it on a daily basis, and so um, it's exciting to see you know the exhibit. It's exciting to see the growth of giving circles. Uh, I mentioned earlier the Young Black and Giving Back Institute out of Washington D.C., where Black millennials have said, "Hey, what about us?" You know, all these a lot of people are talking about millennials, but they're not looking to millennials of color. And so some young folks created their own organization to engage their generation in civic engagement and board leadership and giving. And, and there are just so many organizations and networks that are developing, which, again, are kind of extensions of this, this longer history. Uh, this is the 21st century version of what black folks have always done. So it is a very exciting time, and it also is a very daunting time because we know the issues are, are very challenging and, and there's a lot of, there are a lot of problems that need to be addressed, but this is where I think black philanthropy has a lesson for, for the rest of the country and the rest of the world, that anyone can give. Anyone uh, step up and make a difference. You don't have to wait until some later time in life when you think you're ready. You can, you can do it right now with what you have, and, and with so many issues and so many needs and so many people suffering, is the opportune time to step up and to do those kinds of things. Ms. Fullwood, I love that uh, Professor Freeman said it's the time is now to step up. What are your thoughts? Is this what you and the other architects imagined for the awareness campaign for Black Philanthropy Month and what you imagined for the exhibit to inspire 
the kind of digging in and the work, understanding that so much work needs to be done? Yes, precisely. And and one point I did want to um, touch on, the figure earlier, I think um, Dr. Freeman spoke of around $10 billion that's estimated in black giving, and then later the figure $20 billion was mentioned. And that $20 billion includes some of the global giving. So I think the $10 billion was pretty much specifically black Americans, and there's another $11 billion that's reflected in diaspora giving or immigrants who give back to their to their home countries in um, Africa and the Caribbean. So I just wanted to to uh, make that distinction or, or bring clarity to that specific point and just shows how huge our giving is. And while much of our conversation today is focused on um, black Americans or African-Americans, um, there's also a growing African immigrant community um, who continue their connections to their home countries and who also are sustaining traditions of giving here in America. And to the broader point, I mean, I'm super excited about the growing numbers of giving circles. And for anybody who's uh, unfamiliar with the term giving circle, which we've um, used a couple of times, I think of a giving circle kind of like a book club. But in our instance, we pull our charitable, charitable dollars and then give back to the community. So I'm part of a giving circle. My giving circle is New Generation of African-American Philanthropists. We're based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And a group of us came together 13 years ago, and we wanted to do more. I mean, much like Mr. Harmon's story uh, with the six families, in our instance, it was 17 individuals that came together and decided to pull our funds and to establish a fund at our community foundation, and we committed a dollar a day, or $365 a year over three years, and then we continued to recommit ourselves to the circle every three years, and during that time, we've been able to leverage well over a million dollars in grant making, civic engagement, and really uh, giving our time and talent, and representing the full spectrum of Black giving in all its forms, which is what Black Philanthropy Month celebrates. And so um, there are growing numbers of black giving circles. I think these times, um, some of the challenges, some of the struggles we thought we had overcome that we are faced with again, I think collective giving, such as giving circles, and also just black philanthropy, that giving in all its forms are... Um, strategies and approaches to to bring about change in our communities. You know, I, I did a little bit, bit of reading uh, today, and I was pleased to see that at Morehouse uh, College, there, there are efforts underfoot to eradicate student debt, uh, utilizing alumni and other um, uh, individuals who will step up to make that happen. I also see on August 20th at uh, noon on August 20th, <clears throat> excuse me, there is a webinar that I believe you are involved with, Ms. Um, uh, Valeda, and uh, it's Giving Circles at Black Alumni Associations. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I'm not directly involved in that, but I'm excited to see that some of the self-organizing that's happening across the communities, and it's taking the momentum that Giving Circles um, represent and bringing it to um, historically black colleges and universities and just universities in general and bringing together groups of black 
um, alumni to pull their charitable dollars and give back in very strategic and specific ways to their um, alma maters. So I'm excited to see that and know that there's an effort to cultivate more knowledge and more connections to, ha- to help that happen at more on more campuses. Well, we'll leave that link for our listeners in the uh, post-event podcast uh, at blackphilanthropymonth.com and that webinar is free so we uh, that is something that everybody can jump on board with and learn a little bit more. Not to put you on the spot Roberta but you're involved with efforts uh, of black philanthropy in a lot of respects in that in your day-to-day work uh, you assist people who are hard at work trying to uh, corral the, the the energy and create synergy amongst alumni and amongst uh, other business uh, and and other luminaries to give back to efforts at Indiana University and IUPUI. I I do. I have the extreme pleasure of being able to be one of the folks boots on the ground, one of the stewards um, who are helping support staff support and manage. Uh, dedicated volunteers who have come together to make the first Indiana University Black Philanthropy Circle. And uh, that group, their first gift was actually to the Mays Family Institute on Diverse Philanthropy. And their founder, uh, Dr. Rose Mays, a professor emerita from Indiana University Purdue campus, is also the founder of the Mays Family Institute on Diverse Philanthropy. And we have, uh, I'll definitely defer here to Professor Freeman, who happens to be my professor too, uh, to share a little bit more about that connection uh, and how important it is that Indiana University is in the mix of this conversation around black philanthropy and lifting up these important stories of black giving. Uh, yeah, well, um, well, Dr. Mays wanted to found the Institute as a way of honoring her late husband. Um, they were the owners of Mays Chemical Company, and, and they're a very philanthropic and generous commu- uh, family. Uh, and so this was a way for them to commemorate uh, what their family has stood for for generation, decades and generations. And uh, the goal with, with that Institute is really to, you know, what we're doing here is to place communities of color and other diverse uh donors uh, front and center and, and understand philanthropy from their perspective, understand their history, understand their current giving trends and patterns and interests and motivations, uh, to understand what, what black-serving organizations and leaders in the community need to be effective and to be a resource um, for information about uh, philanthropy and communities of color and, and, for, and for technical resources for supporting uh, organizations in the community working on social justice issues and other needs in the community. And so um, the, the vision uh, includes research, it includes programming and training for organizations in the community and leaders, as well as fellowships and scholarships to produce the next generation of uh, nonprofit leaders and philanthropists and scholars. And so we're very excited about it, and, and you can find you know, more information about that as well on our website and some, some reports that we've released as well. You know, we have about oh, about four, maybe four and a half minutes left, and I want to give everyone an opportunity to take, say, um, a couple minutes. If you do the math, that's six minutes. My, my engineer is going to kill me. Uh, we'll, a minute and a half uh, to go around and just give us some parting words, um, some things that you like to see communities engaged in and how people can support your good efforts. So, um, Mr. Harmon, we'll, we'll begin with you. 
Well, I would like to applaud uh, Belayda and the other women's efforts to to bring awareness to black giving and black philanthropy and and their vision to 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 connect these these circles and when you look at what's happened here uh in our county and connecting to uh IUPUI and to the Lilly School uh Family School of Philanthropy and to the Mays Family Institute of Diverse Philanthropy uh it 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 brought us all together and and uh I think it's a way to to uh bring awareness to that and and I applaud her efforts on that and I think it will continue to grow as we are continuing to collaborate together our our display is going to be part of the uh, Billy uh, School of Philanthropy, which will be part of a museum at the Madam Walker Theater in Indianapolis, and she was known for her philanthropy. So so making these connections is starting to make some things happen, and, and, and I applaud her vision and her efforts in doing that. Uh, Ms. Fullwood? Well, thank you, Mr. Harmon. It was a pleasure to collaborate with you, and I'm so glad for the success in Columbus. And my message to folks is to to use August to learn more about philanthropy, to be introspective and think about your own personal goals and journey and experiences, and then how you can bring that to your giving in all its forms. It's the time, talent, treasure piece, and it's more than just writing a check, but bring your full self, which is at the heart of the, or the soul of philanthropy, um, bring that to your giving. And uh, Dr. Freeman. Uh, yes, I would uh, you know, also applaud those efforts for Black Philanthropy Month and this, the, the opportunity to bring visibility. You know, I was at the reception for the Soul of Philanthropy in Columbus last week and had an opportunity to talk with Lori Thompson, who's one of the donors, and she talked about the importance of visibility, that one of her motivations was that she wanted people to know and to see black people being generous. And, and I think that's a, a powerful uh, motivation, and I think that's an important lesson because there's still too many myths out there that black people don't give, or they're only the recipients of other people's generosity. But it's important to remember this beautiful history we've been talking about. Philanthropy has been a part of the surviving that and navigating that and making America better. Uh, but it also has been this deep, uh, historically rooted expression of black generosity and black humanity. And so, wh- whatever you have, you can start giving now. You don't have to wait, I think would be the key message. You can go make history uh, on your block, in your family, in your community, uh, and, and, and the world needs you right now. So I hope that everybody will take the opportunity to become engaged in whatever way they are able to right now and grow and expand from there. All right, uh, everyone, thank you. Uh, you have made our day, and you are also making other communities thrive and prosper uh, through collective effort. And um, for helping to educate our listeners to Black Philanthropy Month and the Soul of Philanthropy exhibit in Columbus, Indiana, we want to thank Mr. Tom Harmon, who is a co-founder of the African American Fund of Bartholomew uh, County, and uh, Ms. Valeda Fulwood, author of Giving Back, a tribute to generations of African American philanthropists, an award-winning book chronicling tradition of giving in black communities, and Professor Tyrone McKinley Freeman, Assistant Professor of Philanthropic Studies and the Director of Undergraduate Programs at the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy, who has written on Madam C.J. Walker and African-American women's philanthropy during the early 20th century. Bringing On is Indiana's only public affairs program dedicated to the African-American community. Here on WFHB 91.3 FM, 
and live on the web at wfhb.org. Bring It On has an open submission policy, so if you have an idea for this program, let's hear it. Send an email to our volunteer staff. The address is on at wfhb.org. We want to make sure we share everything and anything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. The email address, once again, is on at wfhb.org. You've been listening to Bring It On, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.